The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this? A parade? Move these people back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is your host, Art Hall, here to be your uh, wrangler of the weird, your purveyor of the peculiar, and your diplomat of the disturbing. And today's selection is a delightful little ditty from 1988, directed by Juan Piquer Simon Slugs, the movie. Which, when I first saw the title come up, I was wondering, how many derivatives of Slugs are there? Only to find out there was apparently a novel. So, I can't wait to figure out how that differs from the movie. But the talk about the movie, which is the subject today, is good friend and colleague and cohort, Todd Norwood, director extraordinaire. How are you doing, Todd? I'm pretty good, all things considered, post, uh, post Slugs in my life. Oh, yes. Well, I, I, I apologize for putting you through the paces of slugs. I'm assuming you've never seen that. Never seen it. Never uh, was aware of it and uh, can't unsee it. Great. Uh, are you happy that I made you watch it? You know what? I, yes, because because there was um, there's there's a it's a cornucopia of 80s nostalgic joy. That is very well put. It It's a it's a little story about health issues, the system, of course, slugs, oh, and uh, exploding eyes. So let's uh, break it down what we're doing here today. Well, we look at the movies that are, as I've said in the title and before, the weird, wacky, and downright wrong in cinema. And part of that investigation is figuring out what makes each movie uh, have its own subversive sauce, its subversive flavor, how spicy is it, and uh, let's figure that out. And we'll be doing this by looking at characters, story, and my favorite, the WTF factor. And this one has a lot of everything, <laughs> as does every movie in this entire fucking show, which is the point of it. So, uh, let's get down to business, shall we? Characters. What character or characters stood out to you and why? Well, uh, I'm going to work my way to my favorite, but I have to say the lead is my favorite just because the idea that that the hero is is kind of a um or rather the hero and his best friend there are like health sanitation type people and that's their profession um yes. i thought that was just like you've never seen that before in a movie i thought that was that was kind of interesting um and then i i have to say the 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 slut like wife that's, that's oh yes uh, the, the the one the alcoholic wife yes yes um, um because she's so obvious and on the nose but my favorite has to be um at the nine minute and 22 second mark <clears throat> we're in an 80s bar and people are walking by and then for about four seconds maybe two seconds you see a dude with a handlebar mustache yes from, from the 1880s <laughs> And and it it is so it's it doesn't even fit into the 1980s time frame, but somebody made a decision on set because it can't be a real mustache. Um, because it's not even a 70s and 80s mustache. It's so crazy that I I almost want to see a time travel movie, either two things, a time travel movie from his point of view, but I actually really want to see kind of like the beginning of you know, um uh, uh White Castle, uh, Harold and Kumar, 
where yeah. at the beginning of that movie, you see uh, the sort of stereotypical leads in that sort of frat movie, and then it pans over to Harold and Kumar. And we're like, this is yes. So I'd love to see this movie, but then it pans over to this handlebar mustache guy, and we're like, what, what are we in for with that mustache? I'm so happy you wrote that, or you said that, because I wrote that down. That was literally my third note, and it says, mustache man at the time code. I had to rewind it because I saw him. I was like, holy shit. And it's funny because watching it the first time, it was just like this glaring. It felt like they just lingered on him for way too long. And then when I watched it again, it was like, no, he made such an impression. It burned it into my mind because he's only there for a fraction of a second. So I will be putting a picture of Handlebar Mustache Man in the Instagram account. So be sure to check that out so you can see what fellow we're talking about. And you know what? I want to rally the troops of of the internet. And if anybody can help figure out who this background artist was, I would love to speak with him. So everybody out there, all you internet sleuths, if you could find a murderer based off a cat harm video in the early aughts, like they did in the, the documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats, then we can pull together and figure out who this guy is. Though I have to say, this might be tricky because I think, see, this movie was a, com- a combination effort between shooting in the States and in Spain. And a lot of the staff and the crew and a lot of the supporting cast were Spanish, which actually this is a different subject down the road. I know I'm jumping myself here. I always do every time. But I think it, it explains why there's so much bad ADR. Yet. The mouths actually are moving to say the correct words, but they're they're clearly dubbed. Not the American actors, not the main guys, not Michael Garfield who played Mike Brady or uh, Philip McHale who played his buddy Don, but all the supporting people such as, uh, let's see, Emilio Linder who played David or, uh, let's see, Manuel de Blas who played Mayor Eaton or Frank Brania who played Frank Phillips. So you have all these Spanish actors who I think on the day... They said their lines in English, but it was a very thickly accented English, and they went back later and redubbed it. I, again, I can't substantiate this yet, and if I if I find out information throughout this recording, I'll let you know. But so that's my suspicion. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I I have to apologize to you because I didn't give you the benefit of the doubt. I assumed you sent me this really bad, out of sync copy because because you just sent me a link, and I thought like it was downloaded weird, and maybe the t- the time code was off on the sound. I thought you did a a quick edit on it, and so I'm like, oh man, I don't have time to ask him for another copy. But you know, so I actually threw you under the bus, and I apologize. But number two, it actually helped the enjoyment because it yes. it just made it this weird, out of sync, um, you know, kind of martial artsy, non martial arts slug movie. Yes, yes. So. Anyway, back to the characters. I'm glad you brought up Mustache Man because Mustache Man is the hero we need and deserve today. So for me, uh, I had two characters that really stood out. And the the most minor one is the old croon with the dog who is just, (laughs) she is every customer or every civilian that, (laughs) that a public worker has to deal with encapsulated in one woman. Let's, let's hear what she sounds like. Yeah. Hi, ma'am. Mike. You don't took your sweet time getting here. Hi, I'm Mike Brady. I'd I like... don't care who you are. I want something done about that smell. I'm not on welfare. I pay my taxes. Whoa, do you suppose maybe we could start at the beginning? We can start anywhere you want, young man. <laughs> She's... <laughs> oh, before there was Karen, there was whoever the fuck this old lady is, because I don't think they actually gave her a name. So... 
Unless, you know what? No, that's, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Maybe she's Sue Channing. Maybe that's who it is. I, it's hard to tell. Again, with this cast list, nobody, by the way, on IMDb, except for like four people, have photos. Well, actually, there is one guy who looked so familiar. It's the, again, the best friend who I, I believe is the uh, health engineer or sanitation guy. But he, he, he looks like the dude who played, I went on IMDb, um, he looked like the dude who played the bad guy in Ghostbusters 2. Um, oh, you're talking. You mean but, Vigo the but Carpathian? It's not him. What's that? No. Yeah, Vigo the Carpathian? Yes, yes. It's not him. No, that's the guy who was actually, he was in Die Hard uh, as one of the bad guys. That's right, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, this guy was a little, yeah, he, this dude, yeah, this is like the second to last, uh, third to last thing he did uh, at this particular actor, Philip McHale. But yeah, so I, I love that old lady. But my favorite is the world's most cynical and ineffectual sheriff on the planet. He makes the mayor from Jaws look like a goddamn level-headed sweetheart. And he hates smoking. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> I don't even know how he got his job and how he maintains it. It's and uh, you know, here's the thing. Let's talk about that thing with the car, right? The smoking. <laughs> How is it that this health worker, the sanitation guy, seems to have carte blanche in this town to ride? You know what it is? It's it's almost like when you're watching a TV show and you're like, wait, wait, police procedure doesn't allow for just some random, you know, like murder she wrote. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I thought they were going to tie it in like he's he's a brother or a son or something, but he just he's just hanging out at the police station. He's just hanging he's out. He's there. just doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love when you hear the smoking bit. And what's even better is I'm not he shouldn't be offended if he gets shot down for this because the asshole just lights a cigarette up and then asks if it's cool. So <laughs> he's kind of in the wrong. Yeah. But uh this is this is a wonderful exchange. Sheriff, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? I sure as hell do, Brady. You can muck up your own lungs if you want, but don't mess with mine, goddammit. Today's your lucky day, Brady. Oh really? Why is that? Littering's a $500 fine in this state. Don't let me catch you doing it again. Sheriff, you know what they found in those candies you're reading? Rat shit. Maggots. <laughs> oh, Sheriff. Littering. It's a $500 fine. God damn it. <laughs> I, uh, later, later on, I do want to talk about the dialogue, but, but, but yeah. Yes. But, that yeah. that is a huge WTF factor in this. So anyway, the sheriff is just this cratchety dude who I don't know how he got voted in and continues to get voted in because he seems he's deaf. He he berates and belittles everybody on his staff. Which by the way, it seems like there's only one cop. And it's just like maybe they're playing into the comedy of it or something. Maybe it's sort of that like, I don't know, Mayberry feel or I don't know, but Yeah. It, it it's weird. It's very weird. So we got some good characters. We can we cannot deny well, that. I, I did I did want to just little asterisk on one more character is the the older gentleman with the lantern in the beginning who is the first victim. <laughs> oh, um, the drunk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's um, it's it's take aside his acting, but it's his accent. It's it it's it, it almost reminded me it wasn't British, but it was like you know like a really bad Christmas Carol like. Tiny Tim, like, oh, are we going to get our ham? To, you know, I, I won't do an accent, but, you know, like, are we going to get our ham for, for Christmas today? You know, it, it was it was really terrible accent. And, um, his, yeah, it was it was just a, a great character. 
I, I, you know me. I'm, I'm a sucker for a clip. So uh, let's, let's hear what this, uh, this guy sounds like. Son of a bitch! Hey, hey, Casey, come over here. Come here, Casey. Come here. You're a good dog. You see that, Casey? Did you see that? Them goddamn kids could have killed me, but they didn't. Ha <laughs> ha! I survived. Come on, we'll grab a couple of snorts. You cry on my shoulder, and I'll cry on yours. Come on. He's like a man. He's like to me. It sounds like some New Yorker who's trying to affect Dick Van Dyke's piss poor Cockney from yeah, Mary it, Poppins at the same time. And why why go that accent uh, to set up an American town? It doesn't make sense. There's so many choices in this movie. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So let's let you just head it up the setup. So let's talk about the story. Okay. So in a nutshell, the story we have is, it, you know, it starts on the lake with a young couple going swimming or going to, you know, this guy takes her out to go fishing and she wants to bone him. He falls in the water, dies. See this old man. He almost gets hit by a car, befriends a dog, gets drunk, goes home, dies. And then you see what I like to see, uh, imagine is like the, the prototypical American psycho dinner meeting where they're at the bar with like these people who just, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and the, 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 suit, the sharks in suit sort of thing with the drunk wife. So you're getting literally set up. It's, so far, the characters we met are either A, killed instantly, or B, they have zero redeeming qualities and factors to them. Yeah. Uh, and then we end up finally discovering who is our main character because until like i don't know you know five some minutes i had no idea who this movie's about and that's when we're introduced to the charming and dashing uh mike brady as we've already mentioned played by michael garfield because apparently everybody has to play with their own first names and he's married to kim brady who is played by kim terry <laughs> again nobody likes to have a new character name and so he is this health inspector. His best friend, Don, is a sewer works guy, a plumbing dude yeah. or whatever. It's a, He even makes a joke about how he has more responsibility, gets paid less than he did when he was a plumber, yet he's still doing this job. And what happens is we find that there are these giant, freakishly large slugs that have become man-eaters. And they are infecting the water system in the town. And they're slowly spreading. And they're coming in and eating people. And we are treated to a variety of very interesting, explosive, gooey deaths as these slugs, which are notoriously one of the slowest creatures on the planet, manage to somehow overtake fully grown and capable human beings. And, you know, again, Mike is uh, shot down at every turn by the sheriff, by Sheriff Reese, played by John Battaglia. And finally, it's only him, his buddy Don, and this scientist. It's only these three against the world to fight these slugs. And then they fight them and they win, except for one rogue slug at the end. That's the story. There's not a lot that happens here. It's literally set. It's, it's piss poor dialogue and acting stringing together death set pieces. So given that, Todd, what do you think about the story? Well, I mean, it's it's like a um, it's like a, a home in the sense that yeah, that's the story, but it's really how you decorate it, and the decoration <laughs> here is is so epic. And I guess I'll start with that because the the, the slug. You know, normally when you see a, a, a B movie like this or or a horror movie or something, um, it's the actual like log line that's the most interesting. The the bad guy, the the, the slug, the the Sharknado, the you know whatever it is. The, the actually the slug scenes weren't that interesting um to me it was it was everything else like the acting was <laughs> was so uh, like the dialogue and acting is is almost this razor thin margin where if they had just 
moved like to wink at the audience just a hint more, I would have almost called it brilliant because it was so on the line of like, do they know the, what they're doing? Like there's so many lines are just like, if, if this is ironic, this is awesome, but it's unironic, I, I think. So it's not. Um, and especially the first like 20 minutes or so, I was like this, like there's so many lines here um and, and i'm and i'm and i'm um i'll get to the lines in a second but 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 it, it's the dialogue that did it but along the the discussion of 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 decorative there's you know you talk about disneyland and you talk about uh visiting the star wars cantina or visiting the millennium falcon i actually want to visit some of the sets in this movie the <laughs> the 80s bar which you would refer to uh, and then there's a a basement teenage bar, but which which has all, which is like this weird, weird bar. But 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 the uh, '80s bar, it's 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 something out of um, like that's the bar that I want to time travel back to and and be in that bar. <laughs> uh, the background music is this '80s awesome. You've got as we talked about, you've got the mustache dude. If I were to call it as an amusement bar uh, ride, I'd call it exposition bar because. <laughs> Everybody talks in exposition for the, like, it's like the, the weird dialogue stops for that movie. And then it's just exposition. And it's, it's, it's that whole, like, and this is when I realized that the movie was, was being um, unironic because suddenly it was just like, Hey, Ted, I haven't seen you and your wife since we met last, you know, April. And, and it was all this like really heavy handed exposition. I'm like, Oh no. Okay. This is, this is the purpose of, all right, I see what we're doing here. But um, uh, that is, um, that was the sets are my favorite uh, weirdly enough um nice yeah what i what i really like is, is just talking about those that particular bar and this is all again you know what it, it all comes back to mustache man because it's in that particular <laughs> sequence of the bar when you have don and mike who are clearly supposed to be very close friends right yep yet their wives have never met each other that's right yeah yeah he walks up. He's like, "Hi, this is Kim." It's like, "Oh well, hello. This is this is Maria." It's like, yeah, yeah. "Wait, wait, hold on." <laughs> See, this is why I had such trouble figuring out who the fuck is the main actor or who is the hero in this story because yep. the relationships were so vague. But that's a really great way of putting it, though, about the dressing. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that the main character that was his wife. I thought it was a woman he just started dating. Picked up. Why, well, because. Somebody, not to ruin it, but somebody in town blows up, like and die or or, or dies that, that that the main character knows, and it's not like his best friend, but it's a very small town, so like you would be kind yeah. of freaked out. And when he tells his wife that this person got eaten by a slug or whatnot, um, she's just like, oh man, or something like she says like, oh that would, you must feel so distraught right now, like like you know, <laughs> he, he didn't win the lottery that day, but you know. <laughs> it's just, it's just um, I, I do have to say in terms of the what the fuck moments um, the, the thing that was more surprising to me than any uh, slug fake blood was that there was a real human dong in there um, oh I, yes because I was under the naive assumption that like prior to HBO uh, at the turn of the century like you, you couldn't see a uh, um, a an under X-rated movie that had a dong in it, and there was there was a dong. That's so adorably naive of you. I know, as right? if like as if you've you've no, never seen Bad Lieutenant or no. But I, I'm saying like a a a, a quote unquote legit movie. I, I didn't think they had them in it. 
but I guess I guess I'm totally wrong. Well, what what you really should be surprised at? I mean, it, it, the dong is very quick, but there's very very fast flashes of yes, this after these two make love, uh, and then she gets up and falls onto the ground because apparently somehow the entire floor is covered with slugs in this yep. bedroom, and she gets eaten. Uh, and the dude's just bouncing around trying to get out uh, in, in the buff. The thing that's really surprising, though, and this is a little sidebar on on film historical nudity, uh, I think that Seth Rogen actually brought up when he was asking once on Twitter, how, you know, how many times can you see a butthole in, on film? Okay. And then it just began this whole discussion about where have you seen buttholes in movies, uh, you know, okay. like Anne Hesch in the Psycho remake. And now the girl who falls on the ground during that slug eating is another one that you can be added to this discussion because there was no modesty padding at all for either of these actors in this. So when she falls on the ground and she's writhing, she's completely nude. And then she does have a quick spread eagle, you know, view. But that was that was surprising, too. It's, you know, we're all naive in our own ways, you know, so. But that's very funny that you didn't uh know about dong yes yes uh, uh Todd, todd's a very gentle new englander boy so <laughs> um i also thought it was just it was such a um again it was, it was a movie not really about the the horror stuff it was just this like it, it was mostly about figuring out why slugs are eating people and um but i felt that uh there was a weird thing where they didn't do the tropey thing which was um you know you're usually like a in terms of the people who die in these sort of movies, it's always like the slut girl, right? Yeah. But here near the end, it the girl was friggin' raped and then she would die. Yeah, like, that that wow, was like, yeah, that I, was like I guess man. that's pushing the, the, the trope a little bit, you know. Yeah. It was it was not very kind. Uh well, you know, she did get away for most of it, but uh then of course you think that she's gonna have some sort of heroic turn because I I, I couldn't tell you who she was. But for some yeah. reason, I had this feeling that we were supposed to know who she was. Yeah, I think it's because yeah. we've seen her like in the pizza parlor or whatever. So she gets away from this one dude, you know, who, you know, again, I thought we were supposed to know who that guy was. Isn't he some like Don's kid? I think he's one of Don's sons. I don't know. Although I did, I did for a moment think it was like a, um, a callback to Scary Movie or Scream. And then I realized this was made far, far before those movies. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she, you know, this guy's trying to manhandle her uh, on a date at the world's worst and least Halloween themed party. And yeah. she gets away from him only to have this other douchebag come up and much more forcefully try to get her. She gets away from him. Then she does fall into a, so- a storm drain and then the slugs yeah. devour her and drag her away, which was even more novel because until now, the slugs never did that. No, the slugs no. just ate you and left you. Uh, but her, no, they decided to take her back for a midnight snack later. Well, what's weird about her and also all the teenagers is you follow the, the lead, but every once in a while it'll cut to these teenagers and they don't really tie in. So you're thinking, well, are they going to tie into the ending? And sure enough, the, the 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 climax does take place near their like big teenage bonfire party. But they don't really, besides the girl who's attacked and, uh they don't really tie in in fact near the end they're still just dancing and then there's an explosion like it's, it's just very odd where that plot's going there is and you know i want to go back to how astutely you pointed out that it's it's not so much the um the violent set pieces it's what brings them together and in that sense this is like if you were to change out the the violence 
for sex. This is like any of these golden era porns yeah. where they were certainly trying to do something. And, but you know, they're like, well, look, we have to keep the audience in the seats until the next scene, but let's entertain them along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that worked or not. And that's exactly what this movie is. It's, it's these interstitials between the good stuff, quote unquote, which by merit makes the interstitials, the good stuff. Yeah. And I almost want to, um, uh, I would love to see a, a remake of this, although I don't know who would do it. <laughs> Um, but but what, what, what you alluded to in the very beginning and which I still can't get my head around is that this was based on a novel, <laughs> you know, like, yes, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. And I, I, I mean, look, Jaws was, but that's not putting it in the same company. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if the lines are from the novel because, um, there's a great line that uh, is trying to compete with with uh, we're going to need a bigger boat, which is what kind of slug bites someone? <laughs> I think we need to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> well, there's quite a few T-shirt slogans. And in fact, um, I almost feel like I don't know what other movies you're watching on this podcast, but you should probably do like a T-shirt slogan segment. But uh, there's something yeah. like, I think somebody eats a slug by mistake and and uh, oh, yes. says, uh uh, it's a strange taste in my mouth, but but the, the the key line is, you know, and he's throwing up or he's getting sick, and it was maybe it was the anchovies I put in my salad, you know, as as a, as a yes, as this a is line. like well, yeah. you know, I do love them, yes, exactly, <laughs> but it was just a little salty, yeah. Right. Um, but but the weird thing about being based on a book is, you, you think that even for a genre movie, that, that there's stuff to work with in terms of like specifics, but I felt that there were some parts of the movie that were so unspecific. And what I mean is like this one dude who's like, I have a business meeting. We're going to go to the business meeting and we're going to talk about the business and the deal, but you have no idea what they're talking about. And not that it really matters, but at the same time, it, it's, it only takes a few seconds to like, what is a real estate deal? What, what are they doing? And it, but it's this big deal that they're, he's like, I can't miss my deal. I'm, I'm have a slug that I'm going to throw up, but I got to get to my, <laughs> this is the biggest deal ever. And it's just, it's so, um, it's so non-specific, which is, which is just weird, you know? It, it's it, wonderful. Actually yeah. that character, uh, he's the one who is married to the, the wife who drinks too much, yeah. who uh, admits it. Oh Yeah. That seems great. Yeah, so this is just some of that uh, wonderful dialogue between these two, uh, including her own admission, half-hearted admission to her issue. You're not a bitch. I think the real problem is... <sighs> My drinking, I know. It's getting the upper hand on me. Maybe I should see someone about it. You mean it. I can't risk losing you. That is the most level-headed self-intervention I've ever heard in my life. That's right, yeah. But again, if it was just a little more ironic, it would kind of be brilliant, <laughs> you know. If, if but if there was yes. a self-awareness to all of this, but there isn't, you know, uh, which yes. is even like the opening with the with the old guy you're talking about, like the, the the spooky old house is so cliched spooky. There's even a um. Uh, a sign that says like a like a notice do not enter sign and and it's it's so um it's so almost planned that that uh i was even on the first 10 20 minutes i was thinking oh my god they're meaning to do this even in the way that 
it does the opposite of like, you know, cutting in late to a scene and cutting out early. It's just like everything stretched mm -hmm. out. I'm like, I wonder if this is like a deliberate artistic choice. I was giving them way too much rope. <laughs> in the beginning yes <laughs> you were yes you were <laughs> you know, i thought it was really deliberate but i think i started to figure it out when when there was some night scenes and you could tell that it was you could tell the budget was really low um because you could tell like the that 16 millimeter lights were outside you know and uh um, um just it just they're just barely you could tell it was a low budget production although it surprises me that you said that some of it was shot in spain that threw me off well, I guess that's probably how they kept, you know, the cost down is, you know, shooting in another country. Uh, so I, I want to do just because we have now clearly moved into the WTF factor, um, which the, a lot of this movie, and as you're, you're, you've already listened and found out. Is I, um, I had an, another observation about the budget and then I had something I wanted to ask you about, if that's OK. Um, Please. Uh, so. With, you know, they're cutting to slugs, what looks like as a way to, to, to lower the budget, which is actually kind of a brilliant thing, right? You just show through a few slugs moving. And there's one part where it's the trope of like somebody dying and the other person doesn't hear. Like, I think it's the wife doesn't hear her husband dying with slugs. She runs in and, you know, and then you're thinking that the slug is going to attack her. But instead, she accidentally or the slugs accidentally knock over kerosene and somehow it lights up the slugs and blows the whole house up. And I'm like, well, if you're trying to save money on, on like for your budget to use slugs as attacking people, why do you need to blow up a house when it doesn't tie into the plot at all? You know? <laughs> well, you, you, well uh, uh, let me ask you, Todd, um, as a man who has actually blown up a house on film <laughs> in your past, yeah. why? You know, you do it because a, I think it's fun, and b, it does add some sort of level of production value because I think they knew that with their repeated use of stock footage of these giant, I don't even know what the fuck they are, if they're banana slugs or what, these big fucking things. And then the mix of like, obviously the fake slugs, which were like little sections of rubber black hose that they would lay everywhere. Yeah. I think that, you know, maybe they cut enough corners by doing that. They're like, you know what? Explosions help sell. <laughs> well, that is right. It is the eighties. There was always a market to sell the explosions. That's right. Um, the question I was going to ask you is they did something which is one of your filmatic pet peeves i realized and i wanted to see if, if it really um grinded you with like nails to the chalkboard and what did you think about um i believe it was in the science when the scientist was first dissecting the slug they did a ridiculous flip trend transition shot did you notice that oh you're talking about when they broke the 180 no 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 it was like you know how you hate very um ornate and elaborate uh pans like white pants. Oh, or, wipes and yeah, things. Yeah, it was, it was a weird like black flip. Um, I'd never seen something like that, but it was definitely something where I, I had to rewind it. And I'm like, at first I'm like, well, was this supposed to be a cutaway of like his point of view of the slug uh, through the, the looking glass? But no, it was just a weird ass stylistic cutaway. And I'm like, oh man, our art must have like fallen off his chair at that. I, I well, I was very, I didn't go back and look at it, but I was very confused by what happened. I felt like it was a film glitch. I'm actually taking a look at it right now. It's, oh, there it is. Okay, I found it. That feels like it's a fuck up. I'm looking at it right now. I'll probably, you know, I'll put this on the Instagram too. And I'll let everybody else look at this and decide and I'll slow it down. If this was a stylistic choice or not. But it does look like it's a blinking. It's a very, very fast, like matter of frames blink. 
like the shutters come down up and top and then open back up. And then, yeah, it's, it's very weird. If it would have been a little longer than I could see it playing off as a choice, but or, I feel like yeah, this is a fuck more up. than once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other observation is, is if they did remake it, I think the lead could be recast as the dude. I forgot his name. The dude who's the, the, the sheriff in um, the cop in stranger things. Oh yes. <laughs> David Harbour. Yeah. Yeah. He could totally yes. like fill in for this dude. <laughs> So, Todd, do you think that this would be something that you might champion to helm as a future project, the the remake of Slugs, the movie? The, the thing about the remake is I, I kind of feel like it, it it's hard to touch. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, I wouldn't want to be Gus Van Sant making remaking Psycho here. Um, I think it <laughs> deserves a sequel. You know, I think that 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 might really. Which is interesting. You say that because the novel did have a sequel. Oh, did it really? OK. So there was a second book. There was not a second movie. Um, yeah, and and I I don't know. I it just it's got to take place in the eighties though because the charm um, was everything about the eighties. So I, I don't know how to do it otherwise. Uh, because again, well, like a lot of um, thrillers nowadays, uh, if you had seen a, a killer slug, you'd post it on uh, TikTok or something, right? So uh, that would just change the whole dynamics of the plot nowadays. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to let you know that as I was doing some research throughout this recording, I actually did see some other resources state how this was a mixed language cast and crew. Okay. And that is most likely what did, in fact, lead to this stilted dialogue delivery and that sense of consistent ADR. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, that that's, again, part of the charm. But... I, I think there'd be a market for it because, you know, look at Sharknado, look at, look at these like very obvious, ridiculous uh, attack of the killer, whatever movies. Um, yes. I was talking about t-shirt slogans. Yeah. I just wanted to, th- this one was probably one of my hands down, one of my favorites in the entire thing. And this is when, when Mike is going to visit, I believe this is the mayor who's sitting at his desk eating a hamburger. Okay. You ain't got the authority to declare happy birthday. Yes. That's, yes. <laughs> and if that's not the mayor, I, you know what? I don't know. That, that's not the mayor. That's somebody else. I forgot the mayor is another guy who is in an office. This is, I think, the head of the health department or whatever. Yes. Um, yes. But I love you don't have the authority to declare happy birthday. Yes. Well, that's that's um, that's another thing with, with the, the David Harbour uh, references. It'd be really cool to to put actors who are who are awesome in the remake or a sequel um but but have them play it like this like again do it deliberately <laughs> like have that line that you just said but yes. you know de niro's saying that line or something you know it, it, yeah it just um you know it, it's almost like um uh you, you know uh, you know anthony bourdain if he were still alive you know you know making just you know like a burger or something as opposed to something elegant i adore all these plans and i think we need to make this happen slug so there's suffice to say there's quite a lot of WTF. Any other particular moments that jumped out to you, or is it just one of those things where the entire movie is itself a time capsule of amazingly awesome WTF? I I have to say I did not want to watch this movie and I've been postponing it, but I, I really did enjoy it. And uh it, it it for none of the reasons I thought I would enjoy it. It's it was just it was a delightful time capsule of what the fuckness. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you finally got around to it. So here, let's get down to the really nitty gritty important part of this. 
Um, how subversive do you think this movie is? This is a completely arbitrary scale, just for fun. On a scale of one to ten, like how spicy is this movie's subversive sauce? You know, we've given in the past things like a talking cat is like a two because okay. it's you know a talking cat, but then things like pink flamingos or a Serbian film is like a ten. So, how subversive do you feel this is? You know, I well, it depends. Yeah, definition of subversive. Subversive. I, I don't know. I I I would only give it a a four because I I I would want to uh, kind of visit that world a bit more, and um, it, it just yeah. it yeah, it, the slugs were not as um, you know. So like, it's not like they were talking slugs that you know tried to have sex with people. You know, that would have been a little crazy. Uh, yes, uh, the the slugs that are totally cognizant of what they're doing and their behavior, which would have been amazing. Uh, I, you know, I would have given it a four as well. So you and I are directly on point in that regard. So nice. that's pretty nice. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything you would like to share with the audience? Uh, any place they can find you, your work, anything coming out, or anything you'd like to promote? Um, probably just go to my website island time film uh still working on my new website which will be out soon and uh you can see uh some of my uh, movies and book there so nothing to do with slugs and not that crazy subversive so <laughs> in due time in due time uh well there you go you heard it here so slugs uh let's see i guess i should tell you where you should be able to find this movie because that's always the point of this so Slugs right now is on Tubi TV. I believe you can also find it on uh, Blu-ray and DVD if you look around enough. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere else, but it is out there. It is out there and it can be found. So hunt it down. Check out the Instagram for a little bit more content to see the mustachioed wonder. Uh, thank you again, Todd. And until next time. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.